The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two barchies and a bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden. Bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. I'm a little somber because this pod is all about the, the Flash because it ended on Wednesday and it's just bittersweet. Michael, I'm going to give you the floor, though, because like this show, we both care about it, but this is really, really your show. Uh, I I mean, like, we knew it was coming, and when the cancellations came out, when the, the, the announcement that the show would end came out, we knew this day was coming at some point. But, like, even as tough a time we've had with season nine, you still didn't want this day to come because that was it. That was the end of the era. And, I mean, like, as soon as the credits rolled on and I, I sat for a few moments, it was like, wow, that's that. Because The Flash has been with us for so long. It feels like one of those constants that's never really going to go away. Um, every time you see one of those big outlets post about it, people are like, OMG, is that still on? OMG, I didn't realize it ran for so long. And it is, it's true. Whether you're watching it or not, it's been a constant of television. It's been a constant of genre. It's been a constant in all of our lives for so long. Um it's just wild to think of a world without it because ooh, this superhero, this this era of television and movies, The Flash was a big part of that because who knows if we'd have these Marvel shows now if The Flash wasn't such a success, if the Arrowverse wasn't such a success. So I know we have mixed thoughts on the season, mixed thoughts on the finale, but I think it's good to kick off by just acknowledging what a legendary show this was. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for The Flash. So yeah it's going to be wild to think of a world without it we're not quite there yet we still have the finale to get through and review but it's even been such a regular presence on this podcast it's just it's it's weird it's weird to live in a world where we're going to have to move on from that because it's been so long we got used to using losing so many cw shows but this didn't feel like one of them that we would but yeah i'll I'll save my rambling for later because we have a lot to talk about but uh what an era it's been for the flash and i can't wait to talk about it one more time i know it's I cannot believe it had been on since 2014. It just feels like we it's one of those shows that it just sticks with you the entire time. So now that it is done, that it's finished, and just like I felt like it was it's can't obviously can't be a forever show. It's not a soap opera. Mm-hmm. But we've lived in it, we've talked about it, we've been discussing it like as a community, as a flash fandom for nine years. And so to not have that to be when we get to the fall and there's no flash. Or like they, we get to the midseason because they did have to move it that one time, and there's no flash. It's like we go forward without Barry Allen and Iris West and Caitlin Snow, and I know we've been without Cisco for a while, but like even not having him, and I don't. I feel like it's not hit me yet. Like it's hit me because I've cried, but like I feel like it's one of those wave things where like I'll be fine and then I'll get misty about mm-hmm. the community it created and the show itself and all the the opportunities to talk with people about superheroes on the CW and and being able to like playfully fight about which Arrowverse show was better and always being like obviously the Flash. Like it's just 
I don't know. I don't, I'm not quite settled in it, not coming back again. Mm -hmm. It's, it changed the world for this genre. There's no doubt about that. And I, I, I always say that I feel like it changed my life as well. I know we've had a love-hate relationship with over the most recent seasons, but I have no problem telling someone that The Flash is my favorite TV show of all time. It's just so pivotal in my life and so many other people's lives. It started conversations. It changed the game in so many ways. And yeah, we wouldn't, we, so much of this world we're in right now, the superhero loving world wouldn't be the same without the impact that The Flash had made. And as the show goes off, I think it's important to acknowledge that because the show might not be with us as much, but that impact it made will always be with us. Wait, also, hi, I'm here. <laughs> um, is it your favorite show of all time? Is it like one singular show or is favorite show of all time a tier? Yeah, multiple? it's a tear. Um, okay. Smallville was in there, Supergirl was in there, The Flash was in there, Arrow and its heyday was in there. But yeah, I feel like this, I'll just say this Arrowverse DC multiverse that's my favorite TV show of all time. That never ends. Um, but yeah, that's, um, it's just, it's wild to think of a world without it. You got used to the idea of Supergirl ending. You got used to the idea of the Flash ending, but you never really got used to the idea of this whole universe, multiverse ending. And I don't want to take away from the end of the Flash because it's such an important entity on its own, but it is extra bittersweet that the end of the Flash means the end of the Arrowverse because again, that was something that really changed the game. Sure. And there was a tweet last night where someone said the last light of the Arrowverse just went out and I was gutted. Like that was like probably, what is that? Number three of teariness before the yeah. sob came after I read Candace Pattinson's post on Instagram, which was beautiful. Um, but to launch into the finale, read as an out of context viewer. How did you feel about it? Hmm. How did I feel about it? Um, there was a lot going on that I didn't understand obviously that's i don't know why i said that um but it it felt hmm, how do i say this without coming off ignorant <laughs> there was a big portion of the episode that didn't feel to me like the ending of the titular character's story mm -hmm. there was a big chunk of the episode that felt um very much centered on I'm not sure who he was. I think his name was Eddie, but I feel like he was referred to as like eight different names in the episode. So I, I was like, who was Eddie? Who was Thawne? I thought that was his last name. I was confusion the whole episode about who everybody's name was. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I've seen you guys say that it felt like a season finale and like it was. I mean, it's the end of a season, <laughs> but it's also the end of a series and it didn't to me feel celebratory until maybe the final act and i mean that's fine um but yeah there was there were certain scenes where i'm watching it and i'm like it didn't really feel it, it i guess my expectations of what a series finale of the flash would be i don't know what that is but i thought it would be maybe lighter in different parts or the action would be slightly more focused on the flash but it was there was so much so much happening um but i mean i think it all ended up working for me as an out of context viewer 
Um, and I also want to say, I've said this a million times on this podcast, but I think we should normalize out of context series finale watches. <laughs> like, I just love being nosy and being like, Ooh, I've never watched the show a day in my life. I want to see how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> I like to see how shows end, like mm-hmm. long running shows. I think it's fascinating to see what the choices that they make. Mm. I don't I, I don't know if there's something that I said that you could um, grab mm-hmm. onto. I just rambled. No, no, I think you're totally right. I feel like this was very much season a season ending, although we try, tried to use some veteran characters to create or at least manipulate that sense of nostalgia you're supposed to feel in a series finale. Um, I do have an issue that it felt like there was a lot of good in there, but it felt like we only got there in this episode and the moments leading up to it didn't really set the stage for that. Of course, I think the big nostalgic thing was that they brought back all the villains and that uh, having Eddie is now the avatar for the negative speed force and his code name it's cobalt blue so yes they were calling him eddie See? they were calling him cobalt blue they were calling him the negative speed force i was like is this not the cop i knew in season one i'm confused <laughs> <laughs> um so he, he uh, that the scene with all the evil speedsters in the negative speed force at the start so much exposition was working overtime to catch us up on who everyone was and why they were there and I think that kind of set the tone for the finale because I feel like it was such a standalone episode, exposition, battle sequences. It all felt rushed into that first 20 minutes so that they could finally do this, the last 20 minutes be series finale-like. Um, it made sense that it was Eddie that was the villain since he was such a major character in season one, but I feel like they could have done this storyline any time and it didn't need to be the final season story because it didn't really come off as final season to me either. Um, it was amazing seeing all the speedsters but before we move on from this point my big issue is and I know they did it in the final season of Buffy Reed with the uber vamps as well in that when you bring in all of those godly threats suddenly they can be defeated like that because they're not the main threat of the storyline anymore and Buffy did a far better job because at least they put up a fight good god Allegra should not have defeated the almighty reverse flash I'm sorry, that should not have happened. It happened I, so quickly. Very okay. quickly. Um, I do buy Keon being able to defeat Zoom because now we know that she's a god. We don't know what that means or what her powers are, but she was literally the only non-speedster person on that team who could have stood any chance against those people because she's a goddess. Allegra, could, Allegra the moment she would have thought about Thawne shot up, much less as being able to say the words Thawne shot up, Thawne would have snapped her neck. But of course, plot armor. Um, uh Chester, don't even know what he was doing there. Chilblain <laughs> showed up to look pretty with his open jacket and stand there with gauntlets, didn't do a I thing. Mean, you said it, I appreciated that much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we got what we wanted from him, but like he just shadowed Keon the whole time. And then Cecile and her one-liners defeated Godspeed. Now, Godspeed is a flop. He should not have been on that team in the first place. He's got the most dramatic voiceover. He's such a one-note character. Do not put him on the same team as Avatar and uh, Zoom and Reverse Flash. That was a bad idea. But I just, I just have an issue with all these iconic big bads that we each spent 22 to 18 or in Godspeed's four, KS4 episodes trying to deal with. They could just be defeated like that by people who aren't speedsters. I thought that completely let it down. I still feel, I know we got second of the reverse flash, but I still feel like he should have been the big bad in the final season. And we should not have done that meditation red ball thing, whatever last season was. That was not necessary. We should have saved Thawne for this season. Um, because seeing him get swatted away like that by people far below his level of uh, attack, his level of power, that should never have been a thing. 
but I get it. It just felt like that battle was awesome, but it almost did too much in such a short space of time just to get it out of the way, if that makes sense. It does. My brother and I were talking about this and we were trying to conceive of a way where it'd be plausible. And so the idea we had was that they weren't actually the speedsters we knew, but recreations made by Eddie that he had to split his powers through. And then that would make sense for why they were so easily defeated, because generally that is what happens if you have to spread your powers out. They are the mm-hmm. lesser versions of actual speedsters who were very powerful and took entire seasons to defeat, or in um, reverse Lass's case, like literal seasons. Like he kept coming back and back and back. And I was like, I wish they had done that because it makes much more sense. Because we also did some type of leveling up of powers that we had not seen. And that might have been because they had reserved the budget for the series finale. Because Allegra's light show, we haven't seen that this season. Like mm-hmm. she exploded out. It was like watching X-Men. I was I was not prepared for the amount of energy that just blasted out of her. Cecile, I guess we had seen her do something crazy like last episode. And so her doing mm-hmm. her thing made sense. Excess defeating Savitar, I liked. I thought it was like, a, especially because he's like, I'm going to kill you like your mom. I was like, I just, I feel like we're not paying attention to how they're, she's a speedster and Iris wasn't. But you know what? You learned your lesson. I, I liked the sequences when I turn my brain off. If I unplug my brain, like it just was really cool and really nice. But like when you think about the story, same with Chester surviving that amount of lightning. See, I'm glad we brought that up. I was going to ask what you thought about that. And once again, I have to address Cody, our friend Cody, (laughs) directly. (laughs) The fake out death. I couldn't get on board with it. He was dead for so long and she was mourning him. And then he's just like, and I'm like, no, (laughs) not that I wanted him to die, but I was just so dramatic and it wasn't explained how he survived. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, they used a keyword. <laughs> they used a keyword. Um, chunk. Chester is a chunk. Yeah. That's, well, what is that? Can we? Sweetie, that's a, a sentence I never thought I'd say in my life, and I never want to say it again. I don't know what it means. <laughs> I know the character in the comics is code name is Chunk, but they actually tried to specifically come up with a scientific reason that he is a being called a chunk, and that he might be a metahuman. Okay. Um, when Chester first debuted, he had the powers of a black hole. And by having the powers of a black hole, it means he accidentally ended up turning himself into a black hole. Still don't know how that's possible. But um, didn't he say that in this episode? Like it was the yeah. first time he was hearing it about the black hole thing? Yeah. So somehow that's translated to giving him powers, some kind of metahuman residual powers. But I still like Barry is a metahuman. He can still die. I don't know what being a chunk means and how it brings you back to life. <laughs> Such a funny word. You know what I mean? I don't get it. No, I, I felt like it was a scientific acronym that I just was not willing to rewind to hear again. It just didn't. You could have just had shot him once and that would have been fine. And we've been like, okay, yeah, because people survive being struck by lightning. Fine. He survived that blast. Perhaps reverse flash was just being egotistical and didn't put that much power into it. I would have accepted that. But the idea that like it was the power of Allegra's tears that brought him back. She didn't even try to resuscitate him. She just cried over his chest. The power of love. (laughs) (laughs) And then that, um, Mm. that camera move around them as a can, we're wasting story time. Yeah. This is their third circular kiss like that. Like we don't need it. And it didn't even have the nice music this time. I was like, why are we wasting 30 seconds on them in the series finale? I'm like, okay, I'm sure they can amount to 30 seconds of screen time in the series finale. That's fine. But we literally had a dead 30 seconds where we were just panning around them. And then 
the finale had a lot of lines from the show's run embedded in the episode to make us all feel nostalgic. We saw it when Eddie was punching Barry and he was saying, I always win in the same way the reverse flash had, I always win in the season one finale. But that one really irked me. They had Allegra and Chester say, you came back to me always, which is Barry and Iris's iconic line uh, from season four. Um, yeah, no, you, they will never be West Allen. I'm sorry. Uh, no cause for that. No need for that. Um, I think it irked more people than it impressed. Um, As an out of context viewer, I was not moved. Yeah. I'll just say that. As an in context viewer, I wasn't moved. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's just some in a in a series finale, you want to focus on like the the big relationships, the the moments that are really going to pull at your heartstrings, the conversations, especially in tense situations, that just have you like trying to reach for some tissues or on the edge of your seat. And I felt like with the with the OCs, the original characters, it just was not there. They were writing it, but it just was like this really shouldn't be about them. This should be about the characters we've known this entire time. And I know they tried that with Eddie. I really wish this this whole plot had actually happened when Iris was moving forward in her life with Barry, like around the time where she would have been getting married to him, rather than we are years down the road into their marriage and Eddie is back in season one. And so then therefore we have to be back in season one. But it was interesting seeing him clearly, not choose to the wind, because that's not the metaphor, but the man was gone. Like he just arriving with the flowers in her delivery room. I was like, sir, she is about to give birth. She's like in the middle of contractions. You need to leave. Like, this is not the stress that she needs right now. I did love seeing protective Barry again because he was like, don't come near her. Uh, mm -hmm. So I thought those sequences were interesting. I appreciated Iris's characterization in this episode when it came to Eddie. Um, rather than the previous episode or 2049, Iris didn't really have a realistic reaction to uh, Eddie's appearance in this, Iris was like, what are you doing here? Are you good? What's happening? Like, I'm in labor, but what's happening? What's, what's going on right <laughs> now? <laughs> like, so I, I like that. And I like the concentration on her being like, you know what? Barry, go whip tail. Like, I will be here getting ready for Nora, but you go handle the situation. I will say, though, I did not like the last standoff. I think it is a between Eddie and Barry. I think this might just have to do with a difference of opinion when it comes to what we mean when we say balance. Because the idea that the negative speed force has to exist and therefore Barry has to coexist with this negative entity, there just was not enough room or dialogue or explanation to make that make sense. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, like, positive and negative do live in, together in the world. We know that. However, coexist how? It is an evil force. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, it is going to tap into evil around the rest of the world. Just because they shook hands at the end and Eddie was like, we're not always going to agree. It's like, you're never going to agree. You are an evil embodiment of what's terrible <laughs> in the world. And that is what fuels you and fuels whoever decides to use your force. They didn't yeah. try to say that the negative speed force had a, a, a different type of capacity in the earth. They just told us balance is necessary. Mm -hmm. And I do get, I get the conversation that balance is necessary, but I completely agree. If the crystal or the, whatever it is, the blue cobalt blue thing is what created the avatar and Eddie destroyed it. Why is Eddie still the avatar? If the, if the negative speed force has the power to resurrect a man from the dead, just so it can be his avatar, why did the negative speed force not bite back and kill said man for turning against it? Why is, even though 
Eddie was definitely manipulated by the negative speed force, but why is he suddenly like, we're never going to see eye to eye, even though him and Barry did see eye to eye in the past. I feel like I get the baseline of what they were trying to accomplish was fine, but yet again, the finale had not enough time to get through it. Um, so we just had to suspend our disbelief and go, oh, I guess that's how it the Flash talked down yet another villain in his final ever episode instead of epically defeating him. Sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hate that it's like a shrug sort of situation that it's just like fine this is what happened and I only somewhat feel that way about the first part of the finale the second part of the finale did the thing we, so we had the same structure that a lot of shows do which we had a lot of action in the beginning and then by the the last half of the episode we're moving towards like the brighter day I mean it's literally entirely too bright in the hospital room um <laughs> like I'm just blinded but I mean gorgeous lighting but still blinding and the positiveness of what came from this battle and what is happening in Barry and Iris's life with Nora being here and I loved I loved the delivery scene I thought it was so beautiful and moving and that little spark between Barry and Iris that one last time that looks just like Nora's lightning I thought that was a lovely touch it was that's when i that's when the emotion started hitting me i was like okay now it's starting to feel like it's ending because that's what that's probably the only like long running storyline that ran through the whole series that was addressed in the finale the rest of it was just that a new world graphic novel storyline um but this this felt like series finale material so that that was beautiful and yeah you're right the call back to the lightning really got me i was like oh because that was such an epic moment in season one um and then, of course, Nora being born and uh, Candace and Grant's acting together. Uh, I was, just, uh, I wanted a little bit more time just spent in that moment because it felt like we were finally heading towards the end. And this is an end I envisioned for The Flash. This is an end I would have been very happy with for The Flash. And it was a very, very, very beautiful moment. And it did feel earned, even though a lot in the finale did. And that was one moment that genuinely felt earned. And yeah, as, as a Flash fan, that was probably the most fulfilling moment of the finale for me. It was lovely. Just absolutely gorgeous, as was the flashback scene, one of the flashbacks through West Allen's story mm-hmm. that was happening when Joe was singing to Nora. I thought that was lovely. I was like, oh, not them really getting me in the heart now. I wasn't emotional before, but I'm emotional now. I, I do, I adored, what is that, 20 minutes of the episode? And the rest mm-hmm. of it, I just like accepted. Like that is, this is the end of, of the road for them. Uh, the... I don't even know how to describe what party that was, but it was just a welcome Nora party um, was, I thought was sweet. I, once again, we lingered a little bit too long on Chester and Allegra. I did not care that they were dancing. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> but I, And then of course there was the long time coming proposal between Joe and Cecile, which I don't know what it is about the Arrowverse and stealing other people's thunder, but we need to stop that. They had all season for that man to propose. And they mm-hmm. chose during Nora's party. One of my least favorite TV writing tropes is when the dialogue, without doing so, speaks directly to the audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like when she was like, it's about time. It, it made sense in that room, but it was also kind of like breaking the fourth wall without looking directly down the barrel of the camera. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I don't know. Um that just personally grinds my gears when TV shows do that. I'm like, yeah, we we know, we get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know how did that feel for as like a longtime viewer? Was that kind of like, ugh? Um, yeah, yeah. Sabrina said it all. No, um, 
I feel like I don't have a problem with the scene itself other than maybe the slightly cringy dialogue. I don't have a problem with the scene itself. But we had 12 other episodes this season. We could have done that. And we had the season eight finale last year when Barry was busy meditating and uh, Joe West was still a full-time part of the show. We could have done it then. This was not necessary. One of my favorite things about The Flash has been how it kind of invented the post-credit scene for television and that how the story would end. You would see the Flash logo and then you'd have that little teaser at the end of it. We don't see that in superhero TV. Arrow didn't do it. Legends of Tomorrow didn't do it. That was a very unique thing for the Flash, for the Arrowverse. Supergirl didn't do it. So if you think of it like that, Joe and Cecile technically got the final scene of the Flash because that was what happened before the title card came on. I know we got the little post-credit bit with Barry running in the camera, but why did Joe and Cecile get to end the main narrative of The Flash? That was jarring to me. It you know what I mean? Too, too. I was like, that was the end? I, I'm i not familiar with the Flash post-credits situation, and I was surprised they did it for the series finale. Mm-hmm. I screamed at the TV. <laughs> like, I was like, we're sitting there watching, and I'm like, I know we're not ending the Flash with Cecile and Joe's proposal. I know that's not how, like the elevation of my voice was going higher until we came back. I was like, oh, okay, let me calm down <laughs> and watch this because I was like, violence was chosen, and I am not about it. But when we did get the post credit scene, I was like, oh, okay, oh, I'm good. Uh, I did think it was very sweet that we end up with Barry telling Dora to believe in the impossible. My heart was so warmed. I was, he was lingering there for a bit long. I was like, can we walk over to Iris? Because one person I haven't been able to see with her baby that much since the baby was born is Iris. Walk over to your wife, please. And he did. So I felt better about that. And then that ending sequence made not a lick of sense, but it was gorgeously shot. Like it, it just truly was. I don't know why Barry decided that he was going to just give powers to random people um and and without asking them first he just Mm -hmm. ran but i do know isn't that thing he was running on isn't that from when they tested his speed the first time in season one the ferris airfield yep that's right (laughs) that was a lovely that was a nice little subtle throwback i have a lot of thoughts were you going to say something Rita? because i know i ramble and i don't want to take away from whatever you're going to say I have. I, I'm excited that we got to this part because this is. I messaged you guys after I watched. I was like, I have questions. This is where my questions are. So, how do I? I feel like I have eight different questions, but they can be phrased to one. <laughs> <laughs> so he. Okay, wait. Do they know what happens in the future? Because I feel like they do. Because their children have been in the show for a very long time. So does he already know that he gave these powers to these three randos? I don't think so. The thing is, the whole point of this season is that they know what comes in the future, but they only know certain moments. They don't know all the in-betweens. So they knew Iris would win a Pulitzer at one point. They knew that their children would arrive. They knew that Bart would come along at some point as well. But they don't know about all the in-between. And that's what Iris was trying to tell Barry at the start of the season. You can't keep mapping our life out as this is when this happens. This is when this happens. So the whole point of the season is that they create their own future. I don't think it was executed very well. But so back to your point, I don't think he knew that this was going to lead to the creation of these three specific speedsters. Okay, follow-up, like prong two. (laughs) So in the voiceover, he's saying to Nora, and this is a bad paraphrase, um, he's saying something like he wants to make the world better, safer for her, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 
something with, to that effect with more togetherness and balance and by sharing what they've got so since he knows his adult daughter i see i don't know how that all works if she's from the future different timeline i have no idea this is where the question comes in but wouldn't he know that the future isn't safer or better because she's come and joined them to like save the world and stuff it was like i don't have an issue with it i was just confused as a non-viewer i was mm -hmm. like wait the things i've heard on the, this podcast and, <laughs> and things i feel like i know about the show the one plus one is not equaling two for me in this moment <laughs> <laughs> that, i think that goes back to the flash has always had a different view of crime fighting than like any other crime fighting show arrow's future was dark and grim and the fact oliver saw the fact that his daughter needed to be a hero as a failure because it meant that his work was not completed however over on the flash or like it's sunny all the time and we get to fight people with superpowers yay so barry loves the idea that his daughter is like a superhero in the future because it means they're still doing good and on paper i get that but the flash has always had a different outlook they feel like if they're out there using their gifts to help people even if it's fighting crime it doesn't matter if the world's a dark place with crime in it because they're gonna fill it with the bright lightning and make it a better place so, I mean, you have to suspend a lot of disbeliefs. It's hard to believe sometimes each shows are set in the same universe. But um, yeah, I, I have issues with the logic here because it's a nice spin. Remember we said months ago that the fans wanted Barry to become the lightning that struck himself in the first season. So it would be like a full circle moment. We didn't like that ending because it meant that Barry Allen would spend the rest of his existence as a lightning bolt and he would not be with his family. And um, so we didn't <laughs> like so this is a nice little spin on that. And then he became the lightning to launch three other people instead, with but he still gets to have his family at the same time. Um I'm a firm believer that a superhero show should always end with a triumphant shot of that superhero doing whatever it is to do. So Batman watching over Gotham City, Supergirl flying through the skies, whatever perfectly happy with the final scene of the flash run on and that smile made me very very emotional that is exactly what the final shot of the flash should have been but some of the logic there with him creating the three other speedsters doesn't exactly line up so he just literally inflicted his powers on three people the whole first season was about the fact that central city was infected by metahumans and superpowers and that at least three quarters of those metahumans were not using their powers for good barry literally could have created three evil speedsters there because of the if the the speed force that landed on a bad guy so i don't know why you would take that uh, risk into your own hands and think I'm going to create three new superheroes when it could very easily have turned out to be three new bad guys I guess it's the fact that the positive speed force would have a positive impact but I feel like that's a little bit of a uh, stretch Savitar used the positive speed force and he was still a villain so I still you, you know what I mean I feel like the logic doesn't add up there uh, like Sabrina said if you turn your brain off it's a perfectly serviceable ending but the first three seasons of The Flash were very complex that you had to have your brain on. So I don't like the fact that the show's turned into, oh, if you turn your brain off, it's all right. Were they trying to plant the seed for like a spinoff, like The Flashes or something? I think if this had been five years ago, they would have been. But there's nowhere for that show to live because these aren't main characters that no one would watch, not enough people would watch that um, if it wasn't on the CW. Um, but... I do feel like these are maybe storylines that either Eric Wallace was never going to do and he wanted to do them now because you don't actually have to dramatize them if you have a big fancy cliffhanger for them. Or B, they are storylines he wanted to do it, never quite got the chance to, so we just wanted to 
show them there. I will say I remember back when I was writing for different websites grow, uh, growing up through my early 20s and The Flash was the biggest show on the TV at the moment. Everyone wanted Max Mercury to appear on The Flash. Everyone's like, is this the season where Max Mercury shows up? So the fact that we finally had one of those speedsters turn out to be Max Mercury in the end, that was quite a fulfilling moment. Not exactly what we'd hoped for the character, but I feel like we said this is what Eric Wallace has been doing. He's been trying to tie up every loose end that the Flash has ever had. And now it's definitely produced varying results because, sorry, not all of them have worked out that well. I feel like this is another one of them. But, uh, I mean, at least he addressed them. It was nice to see these three new speedsters inter introduced because they are three iconic DC speedsters. I just feel like a little bit of logic to add up there, if you know what I mean. No, but it's strange, though, because like things could work if they were tweaks. Like, we mm -hmm. just had a big battle. What if Barry's powers were dispersed without his control and his powers yeah. were shared in some capacity? And so the final scene should still be him running. But before that, him checking on these three people because he felt that they were a part of the Speed Force now. Because we all know that he's had lines over the seasons where he has said he can feel when someone's in the Speed Force or someone's using the Speed Force. So why wouldn't he feel three other individuals that got his powers mm -hmm. just running yeah. around? That's a good point. So we wouldn't have had to actually choose them, but he'd know they existed. See, that would have made far more sense. I'm sorry. I know they wanted Barry to have his big moment, but like he literally inflicted his powers on three people, changed their lives. And I know maybe being a superhero is a good thing, but like maybe they didn't want that life. I just feel like the Barry Allen we know wouldn't have taken that kind of consent away from somebody. So whatever, it's a perfectly serviceable ending that makes you think, ah, the, the stories continue. And I do appreciate that because I hate series finales that have to end the story. Um, we all know Oliver Queen died at the end of Arrow but like Supergirl the, the adventures continue off screen Batwoman the adventures continue off screen Legends if they ever get out of that prison I'm sure the adventures continue off screen and now we know the Flash's adventures continue off screen I do love an uplifting series finale and those last few moments were beautiful it's just a bit of the logic in that mm -hmm. but the, the last scene though mm -hmm. perfect way to end the Flash exquisite exquisite but before we move to Superman and Lois, um, it's just the Flash was a show that we had for nine years. I feel like even though we acknowledged it earlier, I want to say thank you to to it. I feel like to the the actors and the creators and and the crew and everybody, it just is a really important. Not me getting emotional. It was a really important show for um, a lot of people, and it helped people make friends, and it helped them to really get into. I don't know, communicating with others and being able to express their opinions and their artistry and fight for the things they wanted. Um, I adore Candace Patton. And I feel like as a young woman who was coming of age when the show was on, she has been an inspiration for me. And I am always going to love Iris West. And I'm always going to love what Candace did in the entertainment industry by deciding to stay and holding the door open and being a guiding light. Um, I want to stop here because I might cry. So we're just going to gonna cut it off there. No worries. Uh, no, I agree completely. She was a game changer. Um, what an incredible performance she gave throughout those nine seasons. Um, this show has been a uh, constant in my life. And I feel like one of the worst parts of getting older, I said that I'm not even 30 yet, but one of the worst parts of getting older is seeing things that have guided you throughout your life. And then the end, 
and you're like, oh, I just have to carry on. But at least we know the show will always be with us. I think when a show goes on this long, it does become a part of the furniture. It becomes a part of people's lives in a way that even if it's not on, it'll always be with them. I know it's changed so many people's lives out there in terms of representation, storytelling, uh, seeing themselves reflected on screen. And then just obviously on the basic like comic book television level, it changed the game for superhero, this genre on the small screen. I always said that like Marvel's killing it on TV now, but I don't think there would have been a space like that if it wasn't for shows like Arrow and The Flash that opened that door in the first place. Um, I know as a fan of it, I have loved this show through the highs and the lows. And um, I don't want to imagine my life without it. Um, I love this show with every fiber of my being. And uh, Grant Gustin changed my life. You guys know that. The Flash changed my life. And I know we, we can circle back to this and toast it later, but what a journey it was. I'm glad I got to be on it with you three, you two as well, the, the three of us roasting it and criticizing it, but also loving it in our own way over this last year, year and a half on this podcast has been a joy as well. The Flash has been such a presence in so many people's lives, and I don't want that to get lost in it, even if the final few seasons were a little rough. Um, yeah, it was a game changer, and we love it dearly, despite its flaws. And the amazing thing, the... Uh in the bittersweetness like the amazing thing about a long-running show ending is after you've lived through it you get to live with it now mm. like it's part of your life now um and that's something that i know when shows end we're always sad and people get really sad they're like no i don't want it to go um but it's something that i always hold on to with my favorite shows like it ended I lived through it. It has like a negative connotation. Like we, we, we lived through it, man. We lived through <laughs> it. <laughs> but like you, I mean, you watch every season, like every week, you know, but now it's, it gets to be a part of your life. Like Michael said, it's the furniture. It's the lamp you turn on when you need it. So. And it's what we experienced while we were watching it. Like I do feel like lived through it is, it can come off negative, but we mean it positively. Like there's just so many like there are certain seasons where you knew where you were emotionally or what was changing in your life. And this may have been the show that was getting you through. It might've been the thing that was making you laugh or smile or believe in the goodness of people. And I feel like the flash over the years, we've had more and more to criticize about it, but it would never stop being that show that felt like coming home in a way. Like you, you, and you, you guys wouldn't still be here if you didn't love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's, it's time to say goodbye. Like even with those feelings of, oh, I don't want to say goodbye. It's more of just a reaction to knowing that you're going to be yeah moving forward without it. But it is, it's time. It is time to let them go <laughs> forward and, uh, and revel in the memories that we do have and be excited for what's next for them or even what's next for us in our television lives and superhero TV I'm just so grateful that I got to experience the flash like that. I was, you know, alive in, you know, thinking about television shows when it was airing all the way through. It's just incredibly important to me. I feel like in my development and growth, and it's one of those like top tier shows for me that I just know help shape who I am as a person. Yeah. 100%. Um, the flash taught us to keep running and we will, and it will be part of our lives as we do it. Heck, do you know what? Let's just do the toast now. I feel like we're not going to get more poetic than that. So, to the flash. To the flash. Okay.
moving towards Superman and Lois, the one of the last standing DC TV shows on the CW. Hopefully we get to keep it or it moves to Max, putting that into the universe mm-hmm. right now, manifesting that because season three is rather solid. Like episode nine could have been better. I think if you, unfortunately, if you chop the kids out, it's a really, really great episode. If you keep the kids in, it's a little middling. But the lowest plot continues to serve. It really does. I'm. There are never enough scenes that just show what a powerhouse Bitsy Tullock is. And I feel like seeing the, so many shows like this would skip over important moments like this, but everything we saw Lois go through in this episode... um. The fact that it was called the dress, um, we we, we the, the episode's primary primary storyline was not John Henry Irons and what was going on with Bruno Mannheim. It was about what Lois was feeling, her fears over her battle with cancer, and how that might lead to her mastectomy, and how that might impact her her mental health. And I just was in awe of that storyline because these were conversations that I don't think are had enough on television, and it was just so powerful i feel like i'm going to use that word a lot it was very powerful storytelling and i know the fact that she didn't want to hold on to the dress and that she was being a bit um abrupt with clark obviously he knew something was wrong but it was also very important i think that it was lana who had the conversation with her in the end and we've always said how the lois and lana friendship is one of the best but also untapped parts of the show and I think to finally bring it back here and have that conversation, you didn't actually get to see them speak that much, but the fact that it was Lana who had that conversation with her and the snippets that you, you that you saw, that's not the kind of conversation that would be had in a show like this. So we, we talked about how like the Flash is revolutionary and how the Flash changes the game, but Superman at Lois is doing things out here that nothing in the genre has ever dared to do before. And I just thought that was such an incredible scene. It was also such... It, it was they were such important character moments for Lois and Lana as well. And just to see two women bonding over such a, a real life thing in such a super show, if you will, it was just, I think, revolutionary. Mm-hmm. I just What's special about the way that they're doing the storyline is that it doesn't feel exploitative. Mm-hmm. Like it is a chance for the characters to have real honest conversations that people do have in real life. And to uh, balance everybody's emotions. Like, I loved the subtlety of Tyra Hecklin's performance in this episode, playing a husband who is hurt by his wife's decision to get rid of a dress that is important to both of them, but also trying to leave space for how she feels. And then Bitsy is doing wonderful work as a woman who is going through this, and she knows that she's going through it with her family, but it is happening to her. And mm-hmm. I loved that Lana got to acknowledge that for her. Like it's, it is you going through this with your family, but this is your body and your body is set to change and how you see yourself is going to change. And I like that Lois was concerned about her mental health, was concerned about how she would see herself, was concerned about how Clark would see her, even how she knows her husband and that wouldn't be a thing for him. It is still a massive change. Like a mastectomy is going to, some people, you know, when it's not to you, you're like, well, it's about her health. Yes, but it's also her body image. It's how she conceives of herself. Like to be a woman, like she said, to have felt like she finally came in to liking her body. 
like she she's gone through so many things as an adult woman and you know and sometimes pregnancies can be traumatic too but to go through giving birth to her twins the the changes her body would have gone through there now the changes her body is going through because of cancer and she's like it it never ends it's always something we're always going through pain in some capacity as women and now i have to have this life altering surgery to save my life and it's just unfair but like in but still trying to find something to grasp onto you know to not lose herself in the grief of this change that is coming Mm -hmm. and i think that was also important that it kind of justified that it was her point of view and how she saw herself which is why it was important i think to flash back to the 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 time she wore the dress i think believe it was 17 years ago um because she said she'd never felt more beautiful in that moment and it wasn't about the fact that she was the great lois lane or that she won an award it was about the fact that she said she personally said she'd never felt more beautiful than she did in that moment and which is why she wanted to get rid of the dress because she felt like she'd never feel like that ever again. And I thought that was so poignant because we know Clark will always see her the same. We know that everyone around her is there for her and loves her. But it was very much important that Lois feel heard in this episode because she had some concerns and it's always justified when it's how you feel. And like you said, Sabrina, she's going through it. Of course, the other people are going through it with her, but it's happening to her and she will be the one obviously changed by most changed by this experience. So I thought that was such an important and it, it felt so subtle in the way they did it. It, it. You could see that something was bothering Lois, but the fact that Clark didn't get it right away, Lana did get it right away. Um, it was just, I, I thought it was such an expert uh, example of that. And you can understand why she's feeling that way. And I think that was such like authentic, again, human and powerful kind of storyline to adapt because when you look at what else is going on in the episode and then we just have these long conversations about how, how this woman's feeling and how this what's going what's happening in her life is really affecting her i thought it was beautiful it's just so good i'm saying they're just this superman and lois is just intelligent mm-hmm. like very like, much um, so. on, like especially emotionally intelligent Lo- lois has this great line where she says she felt you know, beautiful. Like she felt like a woman because she was being acknowledged for her mind. And and then she also looked gorgeous. Like it was very much, like you said, it lived with her. This was Mm -hmm. all about how how she felt, how she saw herself in that moment and how that was wrapped in her perception of the dress and perception of herself and being able to take ownership of that. But I also like that when she had her alone scene with, with Clark where they were talking about you know, I need you, like, I love that you love me like this. I love that your love for me and your attraction to me isn't just how I look. But we also have to acknowledge that it's going to be weird. Like, if we mm-hmm. could just acknowledge that it's going to be different, that would really be important to me. They also talked about intimacy. Like, they had, I was wondering where they were going with that when she, you know, didn't want him to kiss her. And she's like, I mean, I don't feel good because she doesn't, doesn't feel like a woman now. I just barely feel like a person. She's so sick all the time. Like, she's just existing. and And she's like, that is a big part of our life though like intimacy is a big part of our marriage we have to discuss this but then she tried she's like you want to cuddle and they cuddle up on the bed together and i'm just like best written married couple on the cw right now like i just they've taken the crown for me there is no one doing it with the marrieds like superman and lois there are perfect and my goodness that final scene when uh she put the dress back on and they danced in the sky. 
beautiful. I have no words to describe that. I could feel myself getting emotional as soon as the music started. I thought it was just an absolutely incredible moment, not just for the storyline or where they were, just even out of context. That is such a beautifully shot, beautifully acted and heartfelt moment. And you're right, Sabrina, nobody does it like this. Just, oh, the them, the show, the writing, it was all beautiful. And I think that that perhaps that might have been my favorite standalone moment the show ever produced. I just thought it was wonderful. And there wasn't a single cape in sight. I think that's the, the beauty of the show. It is, which means that we now have to talk about things that were not so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which was the, honestly, the Bruno, the Bruno part with the adults was fine. Like, I was getting angry at John Henry, um, but it made sense for him to be very emotional about what's going on with Bruno because he is threatening his family in a very serious way. I love that he called the alternate Earth sister his sister. He's like, he threatened my sister. I was like, oh, she's your sister now? Okay. Like, I want to see the Wonder Twins. Y'all better be building up to that because that's what it feels like <laughs> where it's going. Uh, and he, I love that he's like juxtaposed to Clark. And Clark being Clark is like, I know that he's a terrible person, but his wife is literally dying. And yes, is like what I'm going through with Lois factoring into my decision making on this. Sure. But at least I'm acknowledging that you are not acknowledging that you are upset because of all that he's done in your life. I really appreciated that. I didn't appreciate the teens because they're cr- they're like sitting on this Romeo and Juliet storyline that's just not earned. And no one's talked about the elephant in the room. We know that Mateo wasn't planted to try to get information on um, John through Natalie. They don't know that. So I'm like, mm-hmm. where? None of y'all can talk about how this boy could actually be manipulating her in any capacity. Am I just being paranoid? Like, Maybe, but I feel like you need a paranoid friend. Someone needs to be like, girl, I'm skeptical. I don't know. It just like it just lining up too perfectly for me. It was a little bit like rushed, I thought. The fact is, they, they want us to root for uh, Natalie at Mateo, and that's fine. We are rooting for Natalie at Mateo, but I and we know <laughs> Sabrina said not me. Um, uh, but uh, it just felt like rushed. I don't know other way to put that. Like they were like, these people have seen each other maybe three times. We're like, I love you. I love you too. And I mean, like it was such a big dramatic moment that you would expect, but I just felt like the background storylining was not here. And the reason we knew Mateo was a heart of gold is because now I feel like we're going to be moving into a territory where he might not be because now he knows what his daddy's up to. And now he knows that they stand a chance of saving their mom. And now he knows that Bizarro Superman is down in that uh, bunker or train station whatever so i feel like mateo could end up getting rubbed in and the fact that him and natalie have met up now makes them quite dangerous so i feel like maybe we are going somewhere with that i just i do agree i do think the feel like the teen aspect of this episode slightly let it down this week and that's not something the show tends to do and our friend of me sarah is far more uh, tolerable these days um they're really having her be the voice of reason i mean this is a sarah from season one where have you been for the last two years um that was nice to say lots of potential in there but i agree i feel like the teen aspect was definitely the weakest part of this episode thus far and we have to sit in um some of that a little bit later because jordan had that um, who, who was it? Natalie was like, imagine not being able to be. With, no, Sarah said, imagine not being able to be the person, be with the person that you love. And Jordan had whatever line that was clearly shady, and it was about his love for Sarah. And I was like, oh, not us going back there again. It got so awkward. It did. <laughs> and then when Jonathan left, she was like, 
what do I do now? Because he was just left with them. We know they've bestied them up, but we know they're going to get back together at some point. This is what these shows do. And that stone is not going to remain unturned. So it, it, it makes sense for it to come back up. I just hope that we don't go back to Jordan and Sarah conflict and we actually start making some progress with them. Mm. One more point, though, about Superman and Lois, because there isn't really a lot in this episode to talk about besides, you know, what the gorgeous Lois fought, the, like the, the progression they had on Bruno. But I don't know how y'all felt about the very sticking line about John Henry killing someone. I did not care, but the show wants me to care. And I I felt like him killing someone is not surprising, uh, especially when the person had already been dead. But even if that was not the case, he was getting thrown all up and down Smallville. What did you want him to do about mm-hmm. like the gentleman who was definitely trying to kill him on behalf of Bruno? Like he was an assassin sent by a kingpin to kill John Henry. I'm they're like, oh my god, he killed someone. I'm like, yep, sure did. Can we move on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like John Henry was definitely doing too much in that episode. He was acting out of character and they wanted us to acknowledge that and we did. He escalated that whole situation when he did not have to. There was definitely a middle ground. And the fact that Bruno Mannheim, of all people, was willing to meet him on that middle ground, showed that John Henry was actually the one acting a little bit out of order, even if his uh, feelings were justified. So I feel like the whole him uh, killing Adam Mann in the end, or Henry Miller, whatever you want to call him, um, him killing him in the end was supposed to add to that. It's like, oh, John Henry's gone off the deep end. What are we going to do? But I, I do agree. Like, if that was Batman fighting a superpowered individual and he had to beat him by putting him down, nobody would be like, Batman broke his no kill rule. Because what are you supposed to do? That man died three times already. He's not technically alive and he was going to kill him. Like, he hit him with a hammer. So he died. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Rest in peace and all that. Um, the first thing I've said this whole review is a laughing. <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah he in the words of the undertaker rest in peace move on whatever i don't mm. I, yeah i cannot <laughs> add to that um, they were so re- upset i was like okay he's gone rest in, rest in peace henry miller you're a classic superman villain <laughs> you've probably overstayed your welcome now considering you were like a nostalgic act in season one but yeah i mean like god bless that man's family if they're still alive but <laughs> yeah um yeah i don't know Bring john henry now. did what he had to do and i i was i was rooting against that man for the whole episode but in that moment he did what he had to do and he's still breathing so fair play to him and he looked cool doing it he and did he really did really great action <laughs> sequence i just need them to bring lex now though because i feel like we're starting to languish in the bruno plot and i was like move it forward now let's move like continue to move it forward because I guess with Henry Miller being gone, we'll have Lex and we'll have Bizarro and we'll start like moving the train on because they have fifteen episodes this this season, right? Thirteen, I think. Thirteen. Oh, we only have four left. Yeah, move the train mm-hmm. faster, please. Like, yeah, it's, it's time to speed up. Yeah, I'm eager to see where it goes because I know the previous two seasons pulled a twist midway through or towards the end where you find out that the bad guy actually had superpowers or that they weren't the villain all along, like with Bizarro who turned into Ali Alston then. Um, 
So is Lex going to be the main villain of the season? Is Bizarro going to come back? Is what can Bruno do now that he's been so overexposed in these last couple of episodes? I'm eager. They've still got a lot of in play, and I'm looking forward to seeing all of it. But I do agree. We're down to what four or five episodes left now. We could do with fastening up a tiny bit, just so that we're not we don't feel shortchanged by the time the finale rolls around. Fingers mm, crossed they get on that. Uh, but moving to Nancy, which I think we could start with our Q and A because uh, the the fans have had some questions for us, and now we can launch into it like fully into our spoiler free review. Let me just refresh this, just in case they asked anything else. Sure, sure. As a note to those who are listening or watching, emphasis on the spoiler free. Uh, there are things that we cannot talk about and there are things that we won't talk about because it'd be better if you watched it. Uh, In context, it'll just be that much more thrilling. So we will be giving you tasters, like those those little, um, before the pandemic, when they had those little meat on the toothpick and (laughs) went about your business, after you got that, that is what this is right now. (laughs) Your toothpick's ready, we're circulating the meatballs. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so we're going to start with uh, Nabrina's Moon, who asked, what is Nace and Ace's new love interest like? So Ace's love interest is not in this episode. Nancy's is. We can say he's not like any of the love interests that she's had before. Um, I like him. Mm-hmm. He's nice, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm yes. too afraid to say anything else. Yeah, <laughs> we're not good at these spoiler-free reviews. <laughs> well, okay, I would say that it doesn't start the way people probably think it will start, mm-hmm. uh, and we're not going to give away who he is. You're just going to have to to watch the uh, episode. But it's not. He has a connection to them in some capacity that is not what you'd read in the synopsis of the um, mm-hmm. of season four. Don't leave it and like you right said. There. This, this is a a different kind of. I guess secondary love interest is what we're going to call her other guys <laughs> from <Yes>. last season. <laughs> it's a, it's different. And I like mixing it up. It's not um, the same old archetype. Because mm. mm-hmm. we've had that like two seasons row over the, but did we say this before where a lot of her secondary um, love interests were kind of, you know, cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a different, an interesting, um, I don't know. I like it. Right. I don't want to say anything else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then Hansi Drew asked, "How good is the nace? Is it breadcrumbs or full meals?" It's uh, we have a whole picnic spread. <laughs> I'm just gonna yeah. say it. Just yeah. smorgasbord. The days of subtleness is in the past. We know you could go into the season blindfolded, obviously, and know that we're going to be getting more nests this time around because they finally addressed the elephant in the room that's been running on throughout the show for the last three seasons. The elephant is in full view. Everybody can see the elephant. And um, I will say, yeah, I feel like that elephant is going to be stampeding across the season. Mm, for sure. I ran I with that metaphor. I w- I wouldn't call what we got in this episode a meal, but it's a charcuterie board, you know? Yeah. Love that too. We're all into metaphors. (laughs) (laughs) And then let's see. Oh, I can't see her full. Oh, Ships in Love 3. If you could describe the premiere in three episodes, 
what, what three episodes in three words, what would they be? I like this. Okay. I would say um, focused, mature, and spooky. Ooh, spooky was on my list as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, like it's a given, but I feel like it's, um, this is more than three words, but a little bit more spooky like it used to be. Mm-hmm. Season three was had some spooky, but this is, there were jump scares. Mm-hmm. Um, colorful, ambitious, and fun. Mm. Like that. Okay. Um, heartfelt, unexpected. Mm, I don't know what my third one would be. I'm trying to. It took like such good ones. <laughs> um. Gorgeous. I think it's shot really well. We'll just say mm-hmm. that it's it's has some very nice shots. Yes. And then detective mode on asks, could you describe Nace in the premiere in a non spoilery way? Can we? Mm. Did my elephant metaphor not do that? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, non spoilery yearning mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that is full on display for sure there's movement yeah positive yeah. movement is that too much oh i'm scared <laughs> <laughs> uh um awkward mm-hmm. I, w- I would say that they're awkward it, and i i will say it's present i know a lot of season premieres tend to not address a lot of the questions that were left off i will say i'm not going to say anything about the content of it but i will say it's there it's a presence and that was a pleasant surprise going back to one of my words focused it feels like this season this final season they know what they want to accomplish Mm -hmm. in these 13 episodes and they aren't wasting time Mm -hmm. and i will not throw shade on another show that didn't do that. <laughs> oh, whatever could you mean? I have um, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I do want to say we've had a pretty flawless journey with Nancy Drew, but I will say we probably struggle the most a little bit with season three. This feels like a throwback right to the very beginning. And I felt like the show kind of relaunched itself. And that's what I mean also when I say it was colorful. It just, bet- between the way it was shot, it's not dull looking anymore, which is nice. Between the way it was shot and the way it felt and the way the characters be- behaved and just the sense of community of it, it feels like the Nancy Drew of old. And I love it when a show rediscovers itself in its final season. And I think yeah. that's what we're getting right here. One of, I, I, I grappled with one of my words to describe it as grounded because it does feel so grounded in its identity mm-hmm. again whereas season three tried some different things to varying success levels um it just feels so much more grounded in what the what this show does best mm-hmm. so i added a fourth word grounded okay <laughs> <laughs> and then girl meets delena uh, describe the episode in emojis. I believe there was another tweet like this. So let's just do like the three emojis. Three emojis. Um, hmm. The that little blue and yellow guy that looks like ghost face that has the hands up to the mm-hmm. face in shock. 
as one. Um, uh, I'd say broken heart for mm -hmm. sure. I'm going to say the smirk emoji. <laughs> I was going to say that too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. We we all picked an emoji. Yeah. Good. I think yeah, that's good. You're trying like so hard. Like, <laughs> don't break the embargo. Okay. Uh, and also that same uh, Twitter user asked, "Is there a reason Ace isn't dressed up in a suit for the party?" Yes. Mm -hmm. Not going to give you the reason. <laughs> You'll find out on premiere night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then uh, Nancy Drew underscore Crew wants to know what the overall vibe of the premiere is. I feel like we described it as like to just take elements of what we've already spoken about. Definitely gives season one vibes in terms mm -hmm. of quality. Uh, it is honestly, it is a good time. Like I don't like mm -hmm. it. Just really, it truly is fun. It's a really it's, fun premiere. It's energetic. They hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it it even though they're dealing with somewhat darker storyline, which Nancy Drew always does, but it it doesn't feel like it lacks the fun and i do feel like season three lacked a little bit of fun it, this feels almost whimsical there's like a, a lightness to it as well there's a funness to it as well and i think that's what made that balance makes nancy work so well and again i think it was slightly missing in season three this this one episode i feel like it's rediscovered all of that this, this i i said it before but this feels like a nancy drew episode from season one or two and we all know how much we love those Mm. Mm -hmm. it's snappy too like mm -hmm. watching the the characters move about Hershey Bay on can't get the plot away on what they have <laughs> to do <laughs> like it's just they're like firing on all cylinders like we're really in a good place as the Drew crew I just I'm so happy to see everybody again when you watch the premiere it's like it's infectious it's when everybody watches it when the premiere is on Wednesday May 31st at 8 p.m ET on the CW <laughs> 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 is going to be just really it's gonna be lovely seeing the fandom come up during this episode and it is all through the episode that y'all are going to be yelling and screaming and laughing and having fun with all of the characters like they just truly built it out in a way that should be satisfying mm -hmm. and i said this to you guys when i was watching nancy gets to be just an absolute menace <laughs> <laughs> just so funny again and the i I'm, i feel like we can talk about this because it's not a spoiler scene and the photo literally was released beforehand the the scene where nancy peeks out of the mm -hmm. wall we've seen every everybody's seen the picture the meme <laughs> the meme yeah. now. <laughs> kennedy used it on her instagram um the, I, this is going to be kennedy praise before the season has even premiered publicly <laughs> um the way that she can make that scene funny but not like disney channel slapstick which that's no hate on disney channel because that's a whole different kind of acting that i think is important and necessary just to be silly and fun and over the top but the way that she made that particular moment funny but also not overdoing it with like eyes that are like moving around she's just like does her funny nancy thing and then she keep like i i don't know how kennedy balances it but I mean, just gear up for 13 weeks of us praising Kennedy because it's going to happen. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because <laughs> it's in the small moments, too. Like, it's that moment you mentioned, and then there's another one where she's facing off against somebody. And then her reaction afterwards when she gets what she wants 
is <laughs> hilarious. It's like the smallest little moment. <laughs> she just goes right on. I just, oh, it's so good. It's such a great for me. It is. She's so quirky. And I feel like Kennedy's having the time of her life. I always feel like that, but I feel like it comes across even more in the season. And I really can't wait to see where it goes. Oh, no. Okay. Next question. Uh, Mads a million wants to know what's been our favorite season or episode. And then she has a follow-up question that I'll, that I'll wait to say after we answer. I think my favorite season was one. I mean, pending four, we'll see how this shakes out. Um, favorite episode. Oh, I know we've had a bunch, but I can't remember <laughs> which ones I said I loved. I think the one when she helps the college girls, I remember really liking. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You you guys probably have better memory than me. This is um I this is the problem with watching things too much close together. Um, I was going to say something incredibly similar to that read in that my favorite season is by far season one, and I was thinking about what my favorite episodes were, and I don't remember enough of one specific one. I remember so many wonderful moments from the show in general, but I think uh most of them are from season one so i'm just going to say any season one episode i would happily rewatch. I, I that sounds like such a basic answer but at least i've been somewhat specific um yeah any episode from season one give me any episode from season one and i would i pick that as my favorite episode i just thought that show was of such a high standard and it still is but season one was something else completely uh, i am on the season one train that is my favorite season as well i don't know episode numbers or titles but i can give you the plots and so that I, I think that's how the fans will just they'll just tell me <laughs> they'll tell us in the comments but i i generally love the episodes in which nancy has a lot of growth so the one where she has we went into the mental hospital and yeah. she wakes up and she's going through like what her life could have been love that episode i love the episode where she is speak she's talking about well she's interacting with all of her younger selves the very important traumatic pieces that she is dealing with and healing from love the detective bond episode it really do it's so fun uh and the one where ace's life is in danger uh in season two when she is just willing to give up mm -hmm. whatever information that she needs to give up in order to save him i like i adore that episode as well i feel like there's one more that is just like it's it's there somewhere and i just can't grasp it i, I love the one where they were locked in the police station yeah that, that, was, season, that was season three yes. right mm -hmm. yeah yeah that one's really good um Another one I just remembered, I think it was in the, the it was the season two finale where Nancy was in like the dream sequence um, with all the other versions of her. When and she it, held herself. Yeah, yeah when she held herself and her and S were so close. I thought I remember thinking that was really like a boost bump and doozy moment. It had me so excited for season three. Um, I thought that was one. This show I'm used to being stunned by, but that was one episode that specifically stood out. So it's pretty funny. I'm picking a season two one over any from season one, but sometimes, sometimes that's exactly what happens. Season one as a whole could have produced any phenomenal episode, but that season two finale stuck sticks out to me. So I think I'll go with that one. Mm. We'll have to do like a a Nancy send off reflection yes. episode after Definitely. it ends and talk about our favorite episodes and our favorite things from the show. Yeah, I mean, the CW is not going to give them retrospective. We might as well do it. Yeah, that's true. And we would be excellent at it. <laughs> yes, we would. <laughs> oh, I, I just remember, though, the police station episode is season two because tomorrow is in it. Oh, is oh, it? Yeah. yeah, I don't. Yeah, 
I'll just speak for myself. I do not have a favorite season three episode. Uh, season three is down that bad for me. I have favorite season three moments, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the follow-up question was, do you think that this episode, meaning the premiere, is a good setup for the final season slash overall mystery? I would have yeah. to say yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Without Immedi- a doubt. Immediately yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no hesitation was had. Um, yeah. I, yeah, that's a question we don't need to go into specifics. Without a doubt, yes, one hundred percent. All it's of the, the above. strongest season opener since like season two, because wasn't season three the opener with the hay maze and Penn and Teller? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that was awkward and confusing. Yeah, not yeah. the premiere as a whole, just that opening. Yeah, yeah. The, like as I said, like this is focused, hit the ground running. They know what they're doing. They have a game plan. Again, I'm not going to shade any other. okay uh and then simona underscore hr has two questions as well uh will there be more than one scene between nancy and ryan yes yes Mm -hmm. i mean yeah yeah Mm -hmm. cannot elaborate further than that but yes yeah yeah well i guess not to give a plot there is a funny moment that like is just top of the episode um we'll not say what it is but it's a really great scene mm-hmm. and just absolutely fantastic love when they get to do comedic beats and there's an emotional one mm-hmm. I don't know if that's giving anything mm-hmm. away but yes and then it ends up being funny because <laughs> <laughs> nancy's a menace <laughs> yes and and then the follow-up question the second question was will nancy wear a scarf in episode one which Ooh. I cannot remember. She has fantastic outfits. Yeah, in the, the next scarf. I don't think is present, but and I don't think this this isn't a spoiler because it was in one of the stills from the episode. Beanie, mm-hmm. yeah, the beanie's beanie. Back. Beanie is accounted for. Beanie watches back on track. Um, though when we do our spoiler review, there's nothing to say about Beanie Watch mm-hmm. other than she's present. She's back. But- but I will say that scene itself, I'm not going into what it was, but that scene where she wore the beanie could have been ripped from season one. That's what I love about mm-hmm. a final season. It felt like it feels like we've gone back to the beginning. Excellent scene just for on a uh, uh, an aesthetic standpoint. Absolutely loved it. Yes, so good. Hey, and Muffy underscore Simba wants to know our thoughts on another tired love triangle in the final season of only 13 episodes. You know, I was going to be there with them on this, just hearing before the season premiered from the synopsis that there was going to be another one. I was like, not not you. Not, not, I can't do this again. But after watching the episode, I, so far, I mean, we still have 12 more weeks. I don't mind it Mm -hmm. because we, this is giving away. I mean, it seems like it's going to be I don't know. I'm not going to finish that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't. You know, watching the premiere didn't make me hate it. Mm-mm. Like I just it makes sense context wise. It does make sense. Mm-hmm. And so you're just like, okay, cool. You know, like you you know what's set to happen, but like this little detour for whatever it is makes sense for her. It does. I think I'm more willing to accept it knowing like what the thesis of the season seems to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
like I'm not concerned about it. That's why I think I'm like sweet. I will have fun until you know we get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I've I'm with where you guys are as well. Oh, when I seen it on paper, I was like, do we need to do this in the final season? Because again, not to share that other show, it does feel like doing too much with only 13 episodes on paper. But so far, the execution of this is stronger than that other show would have handled that. Um, so yeah, I do think. It's not as unnecessary as it sounded on uh, on on the synopsis. So I mean, yeah, there's a reason. There's mm-hmm. a reason for it. Yeah, and there uh, will which... be a reason, which we can elaborate on once again. But <laughs> <laughs> but I, I not that I appreciate it. What was I going to say? Oh, that that, that it's here since it's going to be here. That it's fine. Like it's just not. Uh, nope, not going to say that. <laughs> 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 Uh, and then oh mm, the the handle is a bunch of letters sabetta we're gonna go with the name in in the handle uh wants to know how many new characters appear in the season premiere two two yeah two yeah Mm -hmm. and i don't mind either of them so far so good I know which one too. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know. It wouldn't be a spoiler to mention who that person is, but y'all should just wait, see Mm -hmm. what goes down in the premiere with the said person. And then that same user wants to know is the party a celebration of Horseshoe Bay? No. No. Mm Well, indirect, indirectly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. adjacent. If, yeah, but if this I... isn't a spoiler to say. Like, isn't it's best hosting it? I don't think that. Well, no, it's not a spoiler, so we can just. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I didn't elaborate. Mm-hmm. I just think it's you know, party called party called best is back, <laughs> <laughs> and like it's it it follows in the footsteps of some of the other Nancy Drew celebrations we've seen throughout the show. So I don't know whether that's just being me being um secretive or whatever but yeah it's you'll know you, you, this is not the first time you've seen this kind of celebration on the show before so yeah we'll leave it at that mm-hmm. yeah I'll, I'll have one more thing to say about it though i love that we're back to traditions mm-hmm. yeah love a good tradition in this show. i think that's the word i was looking for yes i, I know exactly when shows are like they host like a, a party in an episode and they make you feel like it. They say like, oh, this is annual. And you're like, this is the first time I've heard about <laughs> yeah. it. I love that. I love it so much. Part of Dixie did that all the time. They're like, oh yeah, this is our annual pirate festival. And they did it one time. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, it. <laughs> well, to be fair, all of Nancy Drew happens across like a month and a half. So we haven't made it through the full year yet. But <laughs> they have a lot of traditions in that short amount of time. Okay, and last question. Tucker Ross Khan wants to know is most on oh, those two questions here is most of the first episode focused on the curse or are there other villains slash major storylines other storylines yeah i mean we know yeah. what it is from season three finale mm-hmm. uh, i think i don't think this is in the embargo so i'll just let i'll just throw a little teaser out there it's five weeks after what happened mm-hmm. yeah Mm-hmm. We've, we've, we finally had some movement on Nancy Drew that wasn't just one day. The timeline is finally shifting. We finally jumped ahead a little bit. Yes. And I appreciated uh, the last time they did like a, a slight time jump. There was so much exposition to fill in the gaps and it mm-hmm. was clunkier. This felt seamless. Mm-hmm. It did. It was so Very good. much so. 
And um, and it's just enough time where things, of course, have happened in between it, but it doesn't feel like, like you said, they got to give us a whole book about what was going on in those in those weeks. Uh, and then the final part, uh, they had said, I feel bad for Park and I hope he's in the first episode. Uh, I love Park too, but Homeboy's not here. Where did we end up with him in the season three finale? I don't even remember. So they forgot about him. In oh. one of the dream sequences, he says goodbye to Nancy. But when we do that again in the real world, he is not there. Oh, yeah. So goodbye, we... goodbye, goodbye. You were bigger <laughs> than the whole sky. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were, if, if anyone was holding out for closure with his character, not even just with Nancy, just in general, he has moved on to other pastures. They did not say where. He's just not here. He was, oh, he was on. He was in. The actor was in the last thing he told me. That's probably what he was up to. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at his IMDb and fill in the gaps. <laughs> <laughs> it all things happening. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm sorry, anybody who was looking forward to Park. I have no idea. Uh, not yet. In the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not yet, at least. Yeah. And I don't see where he would fit, considering yeah, it's where unnecessary. We are. Like like we've been saying, like the the season has a mission statement, and they're pedals to the metal so far. Yeah, he's a highlight of season three, though, and we, mm-hmm. I will always love him forever for that. We, yeah, we thank him for his contributions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, uh, just to say, I would. I'm gonna be bold and say that the Nancy Drew season four premiere. Is the strongest premiere of the 2022-2023 CW television season to me. I I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> like, you seem <laughs> hesitant. <laughs> I have to think in which episodes did I enjoy. I mean, the only one in the competition is Superman at Lois, let's be honest. So yeah, if they're both on par with each other, I'm fine with that because... Nancy Drew is just high standard day in and day out, episode in and episode out. And I know we think it had a little tiny bit of a drop in season three, but this feels like a comeback on all senses of the word. Um, I'm super excited. I've never been more excited about this show. And I'm mm. also super frustrated that this is the first time we can't just click on to the next episode. I know. <laughs> True. <laughs> and we have to wait. Alva, good thing we don't have to wait too much longer. Because again, it is premiering Wednesday, May 31st at 8 p.m. ET on the CW. If you cannot watch live, it'll be available on the CW app and CWTV.com the following day. Watch Nancy, love her, praise her, tag all the actors in your praise. It's the final season. <laughs> Tell everyone about it. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, um, unless we wanted to share a little bit more spoiler-free review style things, I think we're done. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I feel like there's so much that I want to say, but there's so much that we can't say. Mm-hmm. But it's really good. Yeah. It is. Worth worth the wait for everybody that had to wait since uh, 2022, January. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that's how I long they waited. So I know there was someone throughout like 400 and something days. It is worth it. Yeah. Because the show was renewed in March, so yeah, it would have ended before that, so it would have been around then. And yeah, I agree. I feel like when we were answering all the questions, I still I, I thought maybe I'd have more to say, but I think we did a good job of answering all of the questions, but also adding our own thoughts and teasing what's to come. I just, I've said it three or four times already, I really enjoyed the premiere, and I can't wait to see where the season goes. It just, it feels like a return to form for the show. It's so good. So good. 
Yeah. Oh, but I also I, I we didn't even mention Nick, and I feel like we need to mention him. I just love where he's at. Mm-hmm. This episode. He's so he's, he's sunny and bright and he's doing so well. Like we just we blow up. The confidence I is know. back. Ugh. What he deserves. Yeah. Also, another funny moment in the episode involves him and what they have to do <laughs> to, to uh for this party. Uh mm-hmm. oh, they um I don't think this is only embargo, but fans and fans who want some content. There is content. For y'all in this this episode, um, I would describe it as a much needed discussion. Yeah, need to be had. That's a very good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah, in food terms, from crumbs to to meals, <laughs> say like it's a it's a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like I that. The metaphors mean nothing, but take from what you will. <laughs> we, I'm sorry, we have been seeing the metaphors. Huh? There's another one. We have been seeing the metaphors <laughs> with this conversation. I mean, speaking of Ace, prepare to be feral. I don't know. This whole episode is just like tapped to bottom, beginning to end. We're going to be feral. <laughs> okay, okay. So when one of these moments happens in the premiere, in the premiere, I was like, "It's going to be bad." <laughs> <laughs> but i mean it works it's so a... sorry well for the, for the a stands and in one aspect of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay i think we should stop now before we yeah let's, let's yeah, we, we're gonna get ourselves in trouble <laughs> yes. okay well that is i believe that's it what does the outline say yes that is it for this episode of the cw spiral our farewell to the flash and um you know a little tasty taste for the nancy drew player every end has a beginning um i'm super super sad to see the flash go but also super excited for what's to come from nancy drew's final season Mm. and okay well we're the cw spiral i'm sabrina i'm michael and i'm reed Bye, Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.